Parenting is a full-time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. Welcome to the Parent Engage 360 podcast. This is Liz Burgard, Parent Involvement Coordinator with Anoka Hennepin Schools. Today's guests are Jean Rolke Partain, a senior scholar at Search Institute, and Ross Giles, Anoka Hennepin Student Achievement Advisor and Parent. They are leading voices for supporting young adults and parents with navigating relationships and schoolwork. Today, we are going to lean in and learn about how we can set our kids up and families up for success as we prepare for unknowns of this upcoming school year. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here today, Gene and Ross. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's get the conversation started, guys. So Gene, can you tell us a little bit about your work and the important research that is done by Search Institute? Well, thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. And yes, we, we do a lot of research on youth and children around what are the things they need in their lives to thrive, and particularly focusing on the kinds of relationships that help them do well in school and in all aspects of their lives. And a big part of my focus is how do we help families to support families in um, being strong and resilient and supporting those families as their kids going through school and, and growing up through school. So that's really a big part of our focus. How about you, Ross? Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the youth you support in your current role at Blaine High School and also from the parent lens? Yes. Uh, my name is Ross Giles. I work for Noka Hennepin ISD 11. I am a student achievement advisor and uh, I've been at Blaine High School for 11 years total, three years in my current position. And my position as student achievement advisor is to assist in raising the achievement of all students, you know, while narrowing the gaps between the lowest and highest performing students and eliminating, say, racial or cultural predictabilities or biases and um, disproportionality at which student groups occupy the highest and lowest levels of achievement. So in short, you know, I, I, my job is to pretty much level out the playing field and eliminate cultural background in the matter. A lot of what my job entails is to communicate and to introduce staff to various cultural difference than they might experience within their life to help create communication bridges for them to have a better understanding for their students' lives at home outside of school and how mm -hmm. it may be affecting their um, learning capacity. And what I wanna do is just teach uh, students and staff how to build better relationships with one another. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit from a parenting lens too? Oh, yes, most definitely. I have uh, a fifth grader that is in the district right now. I think one thing that's a little bit different, I'd say, from being a parent in the district as opposed to having uh, just working in the district. You know, I've had a son that graduated in it, and I also have a daughter that is a teacher at one of the high schools in the district. I think there's more like skin in the game, so to speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you have had the experience of a, of a child that went through or a child that's in the district, mm -hmm. um, you tend to think more empathetically mm -hmm. and you, you tend to put yourself in that parent's position. I think that's helpful. You know, so many people teach, say, from outside the district, they come in and they, they teach and they don't really have a vested 
type of, uh, not that they don't, not that they care any less, but they don't have the same um, amount of heart and desire that I would have in the district because I have of the pride that I have in our district mm-hmm. um, based on the fact that I have children that came up in here too. So I think the, the lens is, tends to be a little bit more personalized. Right. I uh, just really appreciate you guys being here and willing to share your expertise with us. I know from the school perspective and the parent perspective, but also from the work that Search Institute is doing with really supporting our students and our families um, and hoping that we can help everyone to just be resilient, especially in these times of unknown for all of us. We're all going through this same unknown and challenging times together. So I just really appreciate your willingness to share those experiences with us. So thinking about the information you just shared with us, what has been your biggest surprise as a result of the pandemic? We stopped going to school and sometime in mid-March, some of us are um, still working full-time and just really, what's the biggest thing that you learned or your biggest surprise? I think for me, as we've talked to educators and parents and folks all over the country who are dealing with this in so many different ways, is that there's really no family, no child that's not affected by it. And they're all affected in so many different ways. And so um, we know that some folks are affected much more because of economic reasons and all kinds of other reasons. So I'm not Mm -hmm. not saying everybody's the same, but we're all in this together in some ways. And so to recognize that and to sort of um, the level of empathy we need to have for each other. And the other thing is, I think it really has opened up for families an opportunity to say, Hey, schools, we're here, we're important, and let's connect, and let's be partners in this in a different way, because um, schools and youth organizations and others are saying, wow, we cannot do this alone. Mm -hmm. And so there's a different level of, we've got to be on the same team now in a way that maybe um, we didn't think we had to be before sometimes. There's just a different, just, uh, it's absolutely essential now. And so we've got to find ways to get over whatever other things may have been getting in the way. We've got Mm -hmm. to find ways to get on the same page. Mm -hmm. I think that happens in ways that I guess we just didn't realize how important it was. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's, I think that's the thing that surprised me more than anything. What's one thing that you've learned, or Ross, or what is one big, one of the biggest surprises that has been an aha moment for you? Wow. I think, you know, one of the biggest surprises is how many families actually relied on school during their daily lives beyond the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many conversations I had with parents about how much food their kids were going through during the course of the day now, the money they had to spend to keep the refrigerator full or to keep the cabinets and the cupboards full, right. how they had to change their uh, eating habits to occupy the amount of food that they were going through. And I think that these were things that no one planned for as, mm-hmm. as to piggyback what Gene was saying. It was things that plenty of us didn't, you know, plan on. Right. Also, how many multiple sibling families had to take part in the schooling of their younger siblings mm-hmm. because the parents had to work. And they didn't know much about the work that was happening in school. So I think uh, the responsibility that was placed on some of the siblings to help out the younger siblings got in the way of them actually learning effectively. Yeah. And I think each of us, the interesting thing about the pandemic is that it's impacted all of us in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we've all hopefully had to learn from the experiences that we've had. And knowing that 
we're still going through it now. It's not the end of the school year happened and now we can move on. What are some things that parents can start doing to prepare their students for the upcoming school year? Uh, I think parents can can reach out to counselors and advisors like myself. I've always had that communication piece where, look, you can hit me anytime, send me an email. I'm checking my emails throughout the summer. I did conduct uh, summer support this year for summer school classes. So I was available. I encouraged kids to get involved in some of the group sessions that I had. I Mm -hmm. had a social justice and equity group that all of our sites had that our student achievement advisors conducted uh, at all the schools. And we had groups of kids that would come in and check in and just to kind of just talk about the issues at hand, encouraging their kids to stay involved and stay connected in those programs and also taking active involvement and being connected with uh, the advisors and counselors as well is one good way to keep them uh, in the loop in this time that we're heading back to school. Also, gain as much computer knowledge as possible, whether it's through the the YMCA, your library, uh, any type of online access, because many of the kids had no idea. They knew how to check their email, but managing and maintaining an email inbox for them was pretty difficult Mm -hmm. because some of them were getting 70, 80 emails a morning. Mm -hmm. So I would say definitely learning how to uh, dive in and get that managed from that standpoint. Right. Yeah. I love those really practical things. And and I build on those. I think one of the advantages we had last year, if you could say that with the pandemic coming at the end of the school years, we already had all our relationships established with the school and the teachers. I think one of the biggest things we're worried about is coming into the new school year without those relationships established. And so parents can be really proactive about it. How can you begin reaching out and teachers reaching out to parents to start establishing some of those connections and being somehow being proactive about that? Because kids are not going to necessarily know the adults in the school as well as they did at the end. And so that's really going to be, that's going to be a real stress for a lot of kids. Some kids will just go through that naturally because they're more extroverted maybe, but other kids, it's going to be really hard. So how can you both maybe establish some of those connections, maybe through a letter or whatever ways that you can do that. And then also, I think the other big thing is not just talking to your kids, but really listening to your kids, letting them talk about what they're worried about and giving them a space to just express what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then maybe doing walkthroughs of giving them some language, talk about some scenarios of what it's going to be like and how they maybe can navigate those things so that they have some advanced thinking so that they're more prepared in their own minds so that that really becomes less of a anxiety point to just begin thinking through what it is because we all don't actually know what it's going to be, but they may have some outrageous scenarios in their mind as their you know imagination can run wild. Mm-hmm. How do you give them a chance to talk out loud, think out loud, and let them talk about it and not let your anxiety, not give them a space to think and talk, let them have their feelings and their thoughts as well. One thing that I appreciate about what you just said, I know that there's been a lot of posting on social media. I've just been reading some quotes and just trying to prepare myself because I do have two young children in school as well. And just thinking about the stress or the anxiety that I'm feeling as a parent and just making sure too that um, you're listening to your child and not projecting how you're feeling or the stress that you're carrying, uh, maybe impacting how they're going to go into the school year too is something that I found for myself as just trying to remain calm and listening to what their needs are, not sharing what my needs are or my frustrations or worries too. 
I think that that's something that I'm really trying to take into this as we are have so many unknowns, like you said, but I appreciate what both of you said also about just relationships. Sometimes some people are going to the same school and some they maybe have a different teacher, but they still know some of the key players in the school. So may feel comfortable about reaching out to their former teacher or the counselor, like you mentioned, Ross. But as we know, some people are moving into middle school or high school or entering kindergarten for the first time. So I think um, the key that you made about just making sure that you, if you are a parent or even a, a youth, that you're asking questions and being vulnerable and having those conversations, because sometimes it's uncomfortable to do that. And I think just knowing that that's really important and we want everyone to be successful. So having those conversations is huge. So thank you for pointing that out. So knowing that we can start preparing and having conversations with our students before the school year starts, what are some things that we could start to do at home, even if it's distance learning, if it's a hybrid model of some in school, some out of school, or everyone's going to school? What are some things that we could be doing at home right now, especially in early August, mid-August, to start preparing our home life for school? Because it is going to (laughs) happen. I think, uh, you know, I think one thing that that we try to do, because my wife and I, we have six children. So what we've had to do, we have three that are college age or older, and we have three that are school age. And I think that what we've tried to do is just continue to move into a routine, very task oriented things throughout the the course of our day Mm -hmm. so that we can have some sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. But we also can reflect at the end of the day on what we could have done better. Like, so we've instituted things like cooking and crafts and, and, and just simple things that have allowed their minds to start firing, Mm -hmm. to go on those type of periods where they they're constantly using their mind or they're working their brains. Right. And then in intertwining that is like reading books or, you know, timed reading periods. I think those are some things that we have implemented in trying to get them um, dialed back in to the school setting, Mm -hmm. Um, things like their bedtimes being a little bit earlier, not letting them necessarily sleep in, but kind of giving them a wake up time in the morning Mm -hmm. to get going. Um, These are things that we have consciously eased back into as we've hit the latter part of July now coming moving forward. And I think that now uh, that's going to help them with getting back into that mode, the learning mode for them. So Mm -hmm. that's one. That's a few things. Yeah, I, I have little to add. Those are all the really important things. Uh, the other thing I would add, perhaps, is beginning to anticipate some of the things they enjoy mm-hmm. about school, asking questions, um, thinking about what they might be studying. Maybe it's, you know, just asking those kind of questions, maybe doing a, asking them to do a project about something they're, they're going to be learning. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do around the house that might be related to a course subject. Mm-hmm. Just again, to just get the curiosity going again. If you've let them kind of slide during the summer, <laughs> all of those kind of things that just begin to kind of just get the juices going again. It may be a chance to reconnect with friends from school um, through some video chats or whatever, if that's kind of slid a little bit in the summer. So whatever those kind of things, just again, building that anticipation for what's coming so that, um, so again, they're ready. So. Yeah, I like that. So having kind of the dialogue and it doesn't have to be all day, every day, but maybe a couple of times throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But then like you mentioned, Ross, too, is just starting to have some of that structure mm-hmm. that maybe you have had in the past. Um, and then I think reading is key if you have books available or going to the library, yeah. just to start that process to know that it is going to come 
whether we whether we're ready for it or not, whatever it looks like, that we at least can do something to start preparing ourselves and our youth for school for the 2021 school year. Search Institute conducts and applies research that promotes positive youth development and advances equity. One of Search Institute's resources that you'll want to check out is their free website for parents, keepconnected.info. This resource has activities, discussion starters, and quizzes that will help your family explore and strengthen your relationships, the kind of things we're talking about today. That's keepconnected.info. So knowing that we talked a little bit about um, things that parents can help start to prepare their student for the school year, now we're thinking about the school year, knowing that it could be all distance learning, it could be a hybrid model, or it could be in person. We don't know what that looks like, and it could change, and we have to be adaptable and be willing to pivot and able to pivot at any given time. What would you recommend for a parent? We talked about this a little bit, but what would you recommend for a parent that is um, has a question with technology or if their student is struggling with the day-to-day of how to uh, get their assignments done, what is what are some tips or uh, helpful strategies that you have for communicating with teachers or other staff? Well, I could say, um, first of all, we have a fantastic tech lead at Blaine High School, Daryl Beckers. Mm-hmm. Um, he is more than willing. He has, he has he has two assistants that work with him, two, two tech pairs that work with him, and Lisa Veer and Steve Guider. And they do a great job of kind of, I'll say hand-holding when it comes to tech issues. Awesome. Whether it's for parents, for teachers, staff alike. I think that it's helpful because they are also somewhat, uh, I'd say, empathetic to people that kind of that don't have a knowledge or a background that's mm-hmm. very techy. Right. And I think that the the more helpful that they are, I think the more comfort that the the people in question have in, in talking to them, going and talking to them. And so a lot of times I'll get a question that I can answer, that I can very well answer, mm-hmm. but I want them to have the comfort to talk to the tech people because they can go right to them openly. And, and for the longest time, I really didn't even know that. I used to answer so many questions that were tech related and not even knowing I could lean on our tech people mm-hmm. that are, that can answer it a lot more efficiently than I can. Right. But, uh, but that would, that's the, the way that, that I help out with uh, tech questions that I might get for them. Mm-hmm. In addition to what Ross is saying um, about the easy access to really great tech folks, mm-hmm. I think another opportunity that can come up when you have technology questions or challenges is to ask yourself, is this one where we need to get external help first or should we first use this as a chance to do some problem solving? Mm-hmm. So think about with your child about how do you use this to think through Breaking down a problem and seeing if you can figure it out on your own or checking in with a friend mm-hmm. and figuring out the problem solving thing. So it may or may not be this time that you need help. And maybe this time you can actually step back, walk it through, mm-hmm. look for the directions and figure out how to follow the directions to, to figure it out. Um, and again, it all depends on what the problem is. But um, to think mm-hmm. that through and to figure out how to do that. So that would be one thing you might try when there's a technology problem is to say, can your student figure it out and use it as a chance to figure it out? And again, because as you go through life and as in the workplace, figuring out technology challenges is going to be an increasing part of life. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and as you go through new things, 
The other thing I would say is as this world changes and everything changes, we're all going to have frustrating days and stuff's not going to work. Right. How do we figure out how we manage our emotions and regulate our emotions and treat each other kindly and um, be patient with each other, whether it's the teacher or the tech people or our kids or mm -hmm. whatever it is, and our kids being patient with each other to say, it's not anybody's fault. This is a huge challenge for the whole world. Right. How do we manage that and how do we live with an attitude of grace and kindness? even in a difficult time. Mm -hmm. And so that's a little different than a technology challenge, but how do we bring that out of each other and practice that kind of character development in the challenge of COVID and then the challenge of technology? Mm -hmm. So that was a sort of off track maybe, but it's also at the core of helping our kids become who they want to be and who we want them to become. Right. I think that that's a really valid point too. I think a lot of times we get are frustrated and can't figure it out and maybe it becomes just taking the time, taking a break and thinking about, okay, what steps or what do I know that I can try to work this out? And, or if I don't know, who do I need to reach out to? Whether it's my, my friend, can I just ask my classmate or is it um, the student achievement advisor at the school or is it the counselor or is it my teacher? I think that's really good to know that there are staff that, that are wanting to help you. So to ask the questions, if you're starting to feel frustrated or you're starting to feel a certain way, we are in a time of unknowns. And I think really trying to regulate our emotions or understand how we're feeling and having grace and acceptance and kindness with people, because we're all just trying to do our best each day to figure out where we're at and to get through whatever problems we're working with. So I appreciate that from both of you. You've kind of both have touched on this a little bit, but knowing that a lot of learning happens outside the classroom, students don't only learn from curriculum that a teacher teaches them, um, but a lot of learning does happen outside of the classroom and research shows parent engagement leads to student success. Can you speak to some of the research that Search Institute has found and any takeaways for parents? Yeah, um, I think what's most striking about it is sometimes is it's not the content of what you're saying, it's the character of what you're living mm -hmm. that is actually as much about what young people are learning and how we build our relationships with our young people that shapes who they become is, is as or more important than the words we say. Mm -hmm. And so how we build those connections with our young people, whether they're 3 or 13 or 33, it's just so vital. And so it's part of why we say that um, learning is social, that we, the way we connect and the way we learn is through our relationships, whether it's with our teachers or our parents or our friends, is so important that we take the time to do that. And those connections that we have are the ways that we, we, we listen to the people we know, and the people who care about us, and people that we trust. Mm -hmm. And so how we in the midst of all this craziness, we have to take time to slow down and say, I'm here for you. I'm with you. We're on the same team, even if we get frustrated with each other. Right. Um, and so that's to me, that's really some of the big takeaways is how in all of this, we're, we're here together and we're going to figure this out together. And um, we may not get to the end of this lesson before tonight, but we're going to do it together. We're going to figure it out. We're going to work on it. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to discover new things together. So um, that's really important to me and to, I think, in the learning to continue in spite of everything else to not um, let go of each other, but to stick with each other mm -hmm. um, through it all. And that doesn't mean you don't 
you don't try to learn stuff by the way. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but you you keep you you gotta keep you, you but you have to underneath all of that be sure you're staying connected and not pushing each other away because you're so frustrated. Mm-hmm. Keeping connected and having those conversations and dialogue is really important. And I know Ross earlier in the podcast, you had mentioned doing some of those other things together, like cooking Mm -hmm. or um, the things that maybe you do as a family or that you're trying to implement, preparing for school, starting to ramp up. We know that school is going to look different. And then we know that we need to be flexible in whatever we're going to be doing from now moving forward, probably for the rest of our lives. Right. Mm can you talk a little bit more about some life lessons, maybe that you dialogue that you have with your own children at home as you are teaching them things along the way that's maybe separate from curriculum? Mm-hmm. Um, I think mainly, I think the, the, the biggest thing with my kids is I just want them to be respectful of everyone, mm-hmm. respect people's space, respect people's property, um, be cognizant of what what words mean in our day and age now. Mm-hmm be cognizant of what they might send out over social media, that that's like pretty much their fingerprint of everything that they have. Right. And to have a, a moral aptitude when thinking about things. Now, mm-hmm. um, I think those are the things that I, I, I take pride in hearing how well my son is doing or hearing how well my daughter is doing or hearing what type of person that my daughter is. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know firsthand. I know how I want to raise them. But mm-hmm. the, the proof in that is what you hear about people that have taught your child or mm-hmm. that people that have babysat your child or, your, or that have worked with your children. And I take tremendous amount of pride in that when I see that everything that I placed on on them from being respectful to others comes has come full circle to them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing I would say that the takeaway from that is is just always being cognizant of other people's lives and and that other people may not have the same situation in their lives personally but you have to respect their personal space their lives and how they move forward mm-hmm. knowing that um, conversation is important and checking in with your child is important and sometimes when your student is in a sec- the secondary level some of those deeper conversations are easy to have and sometimes they're very hard because as a parent maybe you don't know the right questions to ask or you're maybe not asking it in the right way that your child is receptive or responsive. And in some of the other podcasts we've had is um, some of the recommendation is maybe having like a parallel conversation where you're in the car. So you're not looking at your child, but you can then ask them a question, a leading question. So knowing that, do you have any suggestions of questions that parents can ask their children when they're trying to check in, whether it's on how they're feeling socially or emotionally or on their academic work or just period how they're feeling? Are there any questions that you can suggest to parents who might be listening to this podcast? Yeah, I'm thinking about this. I I have two sons who are young adults now. And through the years, I'd always had to shift kind of where they were. I remember at one point I would ask my when my kid was in middle school, I would say, so what happened today? And he would say, nothing. And I'd say, well, so really? <laughs> the classic question. So yeah, I, you know, and of course, that was a silly question to ask. And then I'd say, well, really? And so what did you do first? And so they go through everything during the day, you know, like minute by minute. <laughs> and but that was funny and silly. But then sometimes you would hear one of those things and you'd say, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. And so sometimes just finding out what they actually did in sort of a routine way mm-hmm. would actually begin sparking a conversation about one of those things. Mm-hmm. Because they, they don't actually sometimes even remember what they did just because it's they don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just when you're walking along and you see something 
you say, what about that? And so it's, it's really, what are the triggers mm-hmm. for the question? So, because you can't just sort of think it up, or sometimes it's a silly question or something in, you know, I think the last six months with what's been happening in the news and in the world around us, mm-hmm. if you're kids of the age where you can talk about that, there's just hundreds of questions, Wait. depending on your kid's interest and in how they're thinking about the world, mm-hmm. that can be really provocative for thinking about important parts of our lives and our place in the world. So to me, any of those can be entry points. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other point, though, for me is it's not always what the question is, it's when you ask it. Great point. Mm-hmm. Um, for our kids, it was often had to be when after they'd eaten some food because when they before they when they're hungry they wouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I mean, it's that, it's that kind of stuff. Or often late at night when I was a early bird and they were night owls, and so I was just like, <laughs> you know, flying ready to go to bed, and they were just wanted to stay up and talk. So you know, so it was that kind of stuff. So to me, those are other. It's not just the question; it's the other factors in their rhythm and openness and readiness and being ready to jump in when they were ready to talk. Mm-hmm. To piggyback on that somewhat, I think there's always that question every day to the kids, you know, how was your day today? What was the best part? And what was the worst part? Mm-hmm. So in allowing them the ability to open up to you to tell you about what the best part of the day was and what the worst part of the day was leads to that ability to have conversation, question and answer. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times as my kids got older, there were those social media things that came into play that were more outside of the realm of like reality of people face-to-face talk. Mm -hmm. And I think that played more to the negative side than anything. And um, I always would kind of talk to them about how those things are just created. Like those are the whole social media thing is like this whole conglomerate of just blah, that's just created. So it's not always the case or, or always like the truth. Mm -hmm. And, um, just having an answer for them on their bad days and allowing them something to think about um, has always made me feel that there's some type of takeaway that they can mm-hmm. have in moving forward mm-hmm. to not be bothered by that particular incident again. So teaching points. Mm-hmm. I also think, too, about just what you take away as the adult, too, right? A lot of times we think, well, we need to ask the question. We need to do this as the parent. But when you take the time to pause and listen to the the perspective that your child is bringing to whatever conversation you're having, I feel like I've just learned so much from my children, too, from their perspective and their take on the world and their understanding of the news or the conversation they had with their teachers. So I think for myself, too, that's been a huge growing experience for me. And, and you know what, being that I come from a completely different era, you know, um, toxic masculinity has just taken over in terms of tough it out, uh, get over it, mm-hmm. uh, do these things. When I, when I was younger, that was how, that was our coping me- mechanism. <laughs> so we had to decide how to figure that out, how to, the problem solve, whereas that necessarily wasn't the right way to handle things. Mm-hmm. So to speak, I'll say maybe for that era it was, but for now, as we move forward and we're trying to grow kids to be empathetic mm-hmm. and to be, you know, uh, weary of what others have on their plate. I think that's beneficial that we don't buy into trying to let them tough this out on their own, not let, making them feel as if they're on their own mm-hmm. in this in this journey. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. 
So you guys have shared so much insight and so much information with us today that hopefully parents can take away as they prepare for the school year, knowing that it is going to be hard, knowing that it's going to be a lot of uncertainty, knowing that there are going to be changes and that we're going to have to pivot and think about things maybe different from what we grew up with knowing or understanding, like you just mentioned, Ross. So as we wrap up our podcast today, Jean, can you share one resource or one book that you have read that you feel would be really helpful for parents if they're wanting to continue this conversation or do a little bit more growth for themselves? Yeah, um, building on what Ross is just talking about, um, I'm really fascinated by a book I've been reading called The New Childhood with a subtitle of Raising Kids to Thrive in a Connected World. Um, and it's uh, by an author named Jordan Shapiro, and he's really trying to say, The world has changed, and we're afraid of that world, and yet it's really an exciting world. And so how do we we understand the strengths of our kids and help our kids thrive in this world, which is completely different than the world we know, Mm -hmm. and that it's actually not as scary as we think it is, even though it's scary. Right. So it's sort of a, I mean, it's it's kind of a heavy book. It's one of these New York Times kind of Mm -hmm. books, so um, it's not a quick, quick read, but it's, it's really kind of provocative and thoughtful for people like this kind of books Mm -hmm. to sort of say your kids are strong and resilient and they're entering a world we don't know but they've got the skills and resources to tackle it and so to me that's kind of a fun way to think about our kids is the strengths that they have and they're going to enter a world and know how to do stuff that we don't know how to do Mm -hmm. and so for me that's fun and you know, it's you won't agree with everything in it, um, but it's also provocative in that sense. So I'd say it's a it's a good read, fun read, and it will help us think about our kids in this world that we're now living in twenty four seven. It seems with distance learning and everything in some new ways. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> When I was growing up, I thought it would be so great to be the adult because you just would have all the answers and know all of the things. And now just as an adult, you continue to learn and then things change from our childhood to our, our students or our child's experience. Yeah. Things continue to yeah. change and so do we. Um, Ross, how about from your perspective as a parent, what are some words of advice or wisdom that you could give a parent or parents or a guardian as we begin this new school year? I think um, one tool that I find like extremely helpful uh, with our school district is AH apps. And here we have the ability as a parent to go in and find out what work is there that our kids are working on, what classwork is due, mm-hmm. when it's due. Um, and we can ask those questions to kind of challenge the accountability for our students too. Well, what is it that you're working on? Mm-hmm. Um, when they answer to us, if that falls in line with kind of the things that they're, that they are working on by having the ability to go in and create that password for you through the district, go in and check on their work, be able to communicate with teachers just to let them know, you know, you're in on this too. In life, as you go through, you know, the vast majority of us are not going to be CEOs in life. Um, We are going to work for people. There's a certain set of accountability when we work for people to make sure that we're getting our job done. And I think as parents, I think in, in helping hone our kids in on the, on the ability to learn how to work for someone. Mm hmm. That's that's a great accountability tool for them to to go in and be able to independently find out everything that their child is working on to allow them to work at time management, to teach them the time management skills. 
I think that that's a great point. And I will link in the podcast where you can find that information. I, I think a lot of parents are, it, it seems overwhelming because you go to the website and you're like, where do I go? But you go to the lock and key in the upper right hand corner. And then each parent or guardian is assigned a username and password. And then that then links you to the apps that you're talking about. Correct? Correct. And you can find a lot of information on there and find out who your child's teachers are and their email addresses and connect with teachers that way. And also, I think it helps kind of understand your student's schedule, what that looks like. So that's a great point. That's been like probably the single most powerful tool that I've had in communicating with teachers for my kids and having them have success. Mm -hmm. On behalf of the students, parents, and staff of Anoka Hennepin Schools, we just want to say thank you so very much for sharing your thoughts, ideas, and massive knowledge that each of you carries uh, with us today. And we just really appreciate the advice and the takeaways as we enter the uncertain times and just knowing that we need to make the best of it. And I appreciate what you said earlier, Jean, about doing it with grace and dignity and kindness and really asking questions and trying to feel connected to our friends and our children and our peers and our coworkers and all of the people knowing that they're also going through some hard things themselves too, as this is going on and impacting everyone in the world. So thank you so very much for everything today. Thanks for having us, Liz. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.